Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one, one chapter, chapter at, at a time. by Todd Hirsch, ATB Financial's Vice President and Chief Economist, The Future of Podcast has launched its second season by connecting with industry leaders to uncover what's on the horizon for things that mean the most to you. The Future of Podcast promises to give you insights to help navigate what is often an uncertain future. Explore how our economy and communities can not only brace for change, but embrace the opportunity it creates. Subscribe to The Future of in the Apple Store, Google Play, Spotify, and everywhere podcasts are found, or connect at atb.com slash thefutureof. How often do you find that you put your foot in your mouth? <laughs> if, if you've met me? <laughs> uh, often enough. I mean, I would argue that it's one of your more endearing traits. I did marry you. Thank you, honey. <laughs> I mean, we all do it. Like, I arguably speak professionally. And uh, sometimes I get tongue-tied or say the wrong thing. Happens. <laughs> Honestly, it happens to everybody. Yeah. Right? We've all, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> had a case of foot in mouth where you said exactly the wrong thing without knowing it. Or something just comes out wrong. Yeah. Maybe uh, misword something or, or, or phrase it poorly in yes. such a way that it could be misunderstood. Grossly misunderstood. Yeah. One of the signs of a good friend, in my experience, is someone who can give you the benefit of the doubt when you say something that raises eyebrows. Yes. And, someone who actually knows what you mean instead of what you said. And and maybe, yeah, uh, accepts that, okay, I heard what the words that came out of your mouth, <laughs> but I don't think you meant the words that came out of your mouth. Yeah. I don't think it means what you think it means. Yeah. That's, um, that's generally speaking, that's someone who knows you well and- and knows you well enough to understand that you probably weren't trying to be offensive in that moment. Yeah, exactly. The reason I bring it up, obviously, is because it's kind of, I feel pertinent to this particular chapter. Because <laughs> yeah, fair uh, enough. Nick suffers a little bit of foot-in-mouth disease in this chapter. So I thought I'd bring it up. But uh, before we get into the current events befalling our heroes, a brief recap of our previous chapter in which uh, Nick spends a great deal of time watching Johnny do very boring stuff. So he goes and finds himself some adventure, <laughs> fights a zombie. He fi finds a fight in a library. Yeah. Comes back in time to not help Johnny fight off some more zombies, uh, but she handily dispatches them, finds out a little bit of the info, and Nick has a sad in the corner. And that brings <laughs> us to Chapter 15 of Beneath the Rising by Primi Mohammed. That's a sad in the corner. <laughs> So a couple more hours pass, and they leave at dawn with a fresh batch of notes. Conveniently, the Adidas man and the other possessed people seem to have all melted into puddles of ooze. Yeah, like bubbling black goop Yeah, that's still kind of moving. A little bit. The good news is, is that is at least one fewer headache that they need to deal with. Yes. Uh, Nick was concerned about body disposal. Yeah. Like, like their murderers hiding their tracks. Well, I mean, because 
there are dead bodies that have their fingerprints on them. That's right? suspicious. Except that these bodies have dissolved because they weren't actually people. Yeah, and a black so, a black smudge on the ground is a little less suspicious than a whole dead person. Although it is way more confusing than a dead person. Oh yeah, but and I would argue in that respect worse. No, I, I disagree. Someone has tracked a bunch of black ooze into the building overnight is suspicious, but it's a lot less suspicious than someone broke into the building overnight and also murdered people. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. But still, if a police officer comes across a pile of clothes that is now filled with black goo, that is some X-Files stuff going down, and, you know, higher authorities are going to be involved. Not necessarily. I mean, I could justify that right now as somebody broke into the building, splashed black paint all over themselves, and stripped before they left so they would try to attract less notice. That's weird. It's weird, but it's not murder has happened. Okay, fair enough. It's not murder has happened. <laughs> and, and, it, and it need not necessarily be, clearly there's monsters afoot. Like, there's, you could justify, oh, somebody spilt black tar on a spare set of clothes. I suppose. Or somebody poured goo on these clothes to dispose of them. It, and it didn't work. And it <laughs> didn't work, exactly. Like, to be fair, the murder that actually happened with Adidas Man happened way, way back on the other side of the world. To the best when, of our knowledge. Yeah. Before when he was a person. Yeah. So we start with some bad news here. Uh, or at least Johnny starts with some bad news here. All of these chapters are starting with bad news. The conjunction they're looking for isn't even happening in our universe. No. So makes it a little harder to track. Johnny also still doesn't have a clue how to actually stop it. But she does, at the very least, know when it's going to happen, which leads to the second bit of bad news. They only have about two days. Yes. <laughs> which leads us to some good news. She does have a lead on where they might be able to find further info that could pinpoint where it's going down and maybe give them a means of stopping it. Yes. They which need... is in Ireland. Well, no. The originals are in Ireland. But there is a copy, a reasonable copy. A reasonable copy. In Carthage. Yes. Which is much closer. Much closer. Unfortunately, with time now a highly limited resource, um, they do have to hurry, uh, which means that they're going to have to risk heading to the Fez airport. Johnny says this isn't necessarily a bad thing because... With any luck, the authorities still think that they're incarcerated because Omar, when he broke them out, was disguised as a cop and gave a reasonable excuse that they were being moved to a new precinct. So yes. it's possible that they've just kind of been lost in custody, quote unquote, and that authorities still haven't figured out that they're missing. Yeah, that would be the ideal. Which means that they might not be on the lookout for them at the Fez airport. Which is true. And fingers crossed, that's what happens. Well, at the very least, up to the point where the chapter ends. Yeah, because we haven't made it out of the airport by the end of the chapter. So Indeed. I can be hopeful. They take a quick break for some breakfast, uh, realizing, A, that they haven't eaten anything in quite some time. Like a day and a half, probably? Probably since the airplane, actually. Uh, and they're also both very dehydrated, because it's quite hot, and they haven't really been trucking around a bunch of water. No, not really. Now, conveniently, Johnny has brought along some antibacterial pills to help them stomach the local water. So they An don't... invention of hers! Yeah, but that means they don't have to worry about buying a bunch of water bottles. Yeah. Of uh, prepackaged stuff. They can just take the pills, drink, drink the out of a tap. Yeah, not a big problem. Um, they also stock up on some supplies for the trip, just in case. Yes. Because they, they're now in a, enough of a rush that they need to stop as little as possible. So it's better to just have some stuff on hand 
so they can use it on the go. Also, you know, breaking into libraries, there probably isn't a concession or a lunch stand open. Well, certainly not an ancient library that's under restoration. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Maybe a more modern library might have a concession <laughs> or like a vending machine where you can get a bottle of water. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Now, this is where Nick puts his foot in his mouth because he makes the mistake of asking after if uh, maybe Johnny needs some lady products, just in case. Oh, I rolled my eyes out loud. He doesn't know her cycle. Maybe it's that time of the month. He doesn't know. He does get a pretty icy reply. And rightly so. Yeah, because that's not a very polite thing to ask. Like, even in a really casual, comfortable company... It's just a, it's. It's certainly an awkward question. Well, it is from him because he is super ignorant about it. Very much so. And now I'm going to say to his credit, he does mean the question helpfully. I know he does. But as the, uh, as the half of this partnership that menstruates, the fact that his question came from such a point of ignorance bothers me. And it obviously bothers Johnny. Yes. Like, first of all, he's automatically assuming that she requires lady products at this exact moment. Or that she doesn't have some on her. Right. Which implies that he assumes that she is cranky because she is having PMS. Sometimes people are just cranky because they're cranky. Sometimes people are cranky because the world is ending. Right? (laughs) So maybe let's not uh, be a sexist and just assume that it's PMS that's making her cranky. Yeah. Johnny also apparently invented something else, which just does away with periods, which was in the news and is quite a popular product and totally flew under Nick's radar, which in his defense, he's not a woman. Why would he care about that? And based on his whole approach to this conversation, this is a topic he is uncomfortable with because he is a teenaged boy. Yes. Yes. Um, who's, who's barely reached adulthood. So it makes sense that this would have kind of flown under his radar. Johnny's a bit affronted by that, though, <laughs> that he would be ignorant of that. He does try clumsily to use a bit of humor to cover up his mortification, because he's very <laughs> embarrassed by this. But I, I do use the word clumsily here because it does it goes over as well as a lead balloon. Though, fun fact, Mythbusters did find you can fly a lead balloon. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That was a very popular episode. Johnny tries to change the subject and steer things back to what they're actually here to do. Um, <laughs> the, the point of the whole mission part, here? Partly because she's irate with him and just wants to change the subject. Um, she does note they are attracting a bit of attention because of who they are, uh, which is a young unwed woman traveling with a brown guy. Right? Yeah. Uh, the optics of that are not necessarily great. Especially in the culture that they're currently traveling in. It is raising eyebrows. Yes. Nick is surprised at how satisfied that makes him feel, actually. Um, And it's like, I read it as he's a little ashamed of that satisfaction, but he's acknowledging that that there is a little bit of satisfaction. He can't help but feel it because it's there. Because it's the first time in his life that some privilege has gone his way. Yeah. And not Johnny's, for that matter. Explicitly against Johnny, because the optics of the situation are bad for her, less for him. Yes. He looks like he fits in. Yeah. Right? And it registers that this might be the first time in her life that Johnny is traveling without 
the benefit of like an entourage or people or money or fame to smooth things out in front of her so that she doesn't have to deal with this kind of adversity. Whereas now it's tripping her up again and again. Like it's causing an obstacle for her. She's clearly frustrated with it. And things are kind of going okay for him. And he's like, that feels kind of good. Surprisingly, <laughs> so this, that feels kind of good. This is what privilege feels like. Yeah. It's nice. They make their way to the Fez airport, and it is not the kind of airport Nick was expecting or is used to. Nick well, is not the kind of person who spends a lot of time at commuter airports. <laughs> yeah. His idea of airport is an enormous building with lots of really large planes and tons of people. Yeah, and... like an international airport. Yeah. The Fez airport is a little commuter airport. It's maybe the size of our house. Yeah, it's uh, like a couple little buildings, maybe a few hangars, a strip of dirt yeah. <laughs> that is used as a runway, and a bunch of like people milling about chartering planes, not through a ticket agent or through a big company, but just like by hiring a pilot. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's something very out of like Indiana Jones for him, <laughs> and or as Johnny points out, Star Wars. Yeah, uh, and we'll we'll get to that. Nick does still find himself being a little paranoid here. A little less paranoid than he would have been at an international airport because there's less security around. But it's still a lot of people. And he's not certain if they're being sought, so he, he can't help but keep his head on a swivel of it. Yeah, the problem with there being no security around is that suddenly uh, you're exposed to people. Yeah. That said, he does feel the pressure off a little bit. Since the first time... For the first time since they left Canada, he he doesn't feel like they're being actively pursued. He doesn't feel a sense of imminent danger. Yeah. But he, he can't help but be cautious. Of course. Now, Johnny, speaking of Star Wars, has arranged a flight with their very own Han Solo. <laughs> a guy by the name of Hamid who says that he can do the six and a half hour flight to where they're going to Carthage in about five hours. And she's like, so let's pack for eight. Like, <laughs> let's prepare. She also says she paid a pretty penny to this guy in order to make sure that no questions were asked and he could get them there. He's going to take these two people and he's going to fly them to Carthage and he's not going to say anything else about it. Yeah, and his rickety little plane that might be worth less than what she paid for the ride. And she tells Nick, because we might be in the plane for a long time, you should go hit the head right now. While Nick uses the bathroom, he kind of stews over this, actually, because he's like, who is this pilot guy? Taking advantage of Johnny, who is clearly in a hurry and desperate, like, wow, that guy totally fleeced her. And I am upset about this. And as usual, Nick clicks into overthink, overprocess mode. Yep. He understandably hates it when people are kicked while they're down because it's happened to him once too often in his oh, life, basically. Oh, constantly. This is the story of his life is just a guy who keeps getting ground down. When he goes to leave the bathroom, he passes by the office and sees basically a stack of U.S. money on the desk. And he immediately is like, well, that must be Johnny's bribe. Like, that must be what she paid to this guy. You know, I could just sneak in there right now, steal the money back. No one would be the wiser. And we'd be, we'd be taking advantage of the guy who's trying to take advantage of us. It all works out. Ugh. Which is the exact wrong thought to have in this moment. Well, he sees it as somewhat heroic. He sees this as, as a noble thing to do. He is incorrect. Yeah. Before he can act on the impulse, though, perhaps for the best, Johnny catches him and orders him out onto the tarmac. Honest to God, all of my muscles tensed up in that half a sentence before we discovered it was Johnny who had grabbed him. And I was like, oh, no, 
they're caught. <laughs> Here we go again. This is everything goes wrong. No, but if he had gone through with the impulse, they might have been caught. They probably would now have been is, caught. Now is not the time to uh, do something rash. No, <laughs> eyes on the prize, man. Yeah, and I mean for Johnny, it's just money. Yeah, she like, has boatloads of it. Nick has mentioned on numerous occasions that she makes more money than she's able to throw away. Because she multiplies. Yeah, she's the level of rich where she just gets more rich, no matter what she does with the money. And so this, even if it's an expensive bribe, even if he was fleecing her out of all of her pocket money, it's nothing. Yeah, there's more coming. She's fine. So it, it doesn't matter. And the tragedy is that Nick has trouble wrapping his head around that, even though the fact is he had thought earlier in this chapter about how much money she has. In the moment, all he could see was she has been fleeced for a lot of money by this guy. That is an unimaginable amount of money to me. So I can only imagine it hurts for her, but it doesn't. No. <laughs> it's one of those occasions where he he really is not in the same headspace as her. And money is a very finite resource to him, a, a very precious resource to him in a way that it's really not for Johnny. No. It's a wonder to me that Johnny doesn't realize what having friends can do for you. You know what I mean? Like if she, she had if she had spread her wealth around uh like like two chapters ago when we met Helen and Tariq. Mm-hmm. If she had helped them out, made friends with them. Something that they had requested. Yeah. Her. You don't have to be intimate acquaintances, right? She didn't have to let them in on her secret, but she could have been friendly. She could have given them a helping hand. She could have offered them the help that they were requesting, it wouldn't have hurt her at all, and she would have friends. So now in this time of need, when she needs friends literally all over the world... She doesn't have anybody. She doesn't have anybody. And as uh, Helen pointed out a few chapters ago, hired help is not the same as friends. No, and it never occurs to Johnny that being nice to people is good. And helpful? Johnny's never had the time for friends. She's too busy making science to save the world with her finite time. So she doesn't have time for friendship. She has time for hirelings. The only Mm. exception is Nick, and this, if anything, just further underscores that Nick is special somehow. He factors into her plans somehow to make her actively pursue the friendship and maintain the friendship with him. That's not a real friendship, though. The flip side of this is that... It doesn't seem like Nick has any other friends. Like, we actually kind of discussed this shortly before we were recording because it just clicked for me now. Nick doesn't seem to have any other friends other than Johnny. Not that he's talked about. And that, to me, implies doesn't really have any. He might have some acquaintances. Yeah. People he knows from school, people he knows from work, who he gets along with. But he doesn't seem to have any other friends. Like, his time is all either spent wrapped up in Johnny... Or with his family. And there's no time for anything else. Yeah, Nick's life seems to be work family Johnny. Yeah. Not necessarily in that order. That's all he talks about. So if he has other friends, we don't know it. And I get the impression that he doesn't because we don't know it. And that makes me sad. Yeah, that's a real bummer. Because Johnny at least has something to fall into. And Nick really doesn't. And that means Nick doesn't. Without her, he doesn't have anybody other than just his family. Yeah. This is the first chapter in this whole book where I've actually actually had some dislike for Nick. I spend a lot of time harping on Johnny for being, you know, kind of a cold person. 
But for the first time, I was like, Nick, get yourself together, man. Yeah, Nick is very much his own worst enemy in this chapter. This is the least likable that Nick has been the whole book, to me. He rubs Johnny the wrong way with his ignorance. Me too. Fails to cover it with some a really bad attempt at humor. Then lets his kind of worst impulses almost guide him to disaster. Yeah. His whole inner monologue and reasoning and overthinking involves so much negative self-talk that- he, It's self-defeating. Yeah. It was actually getting frustrating. <laughs> I was like, no, dude, you're a person. Please find your self-respect. Well, and this is another chapter in which uh, we see wisdom coming up short against intelligence. I, I frequently use this Dungeons & Dragons reference to yep. go over into our D&D corner. <laughs> it's a pleasure to meet you. Intelligence is your book smarts. Wisdom is your street smarts. And intelligence is your logical brain. And wisdom is your, is your emotional intelligence. And in this case, Nick's lack of intelligence in the moment leads him to uh, make a really ignorant comment to Johnny that a smarter person would have maybe known not to say. Uh, <laughs> that, but, that someone with a little more tact likely wouldn't yeah. say. Uh, and, then, and then he has a very emotional reaction to Hamid getting a big bribe from Johnny while he's in the bathroom. Way overthinks it. And then almost makes a disastrous decision. Yeah. Yeah. Because his emotional reaction to that is... I am outraged that we were taken advantage of. This guy is stealing from us. I am going to steal back from him because that is the correct thing to do. Uh, whereas Johnny's cold rational brain is going, I have money. Money will get us a plane. I don't care how much money I have to give the plane. Yeah. I need to get to Carthage as quickly as possible. Here is money. It costs problem, me. Problem goes away. Yeah, yeah. It's going to cost me X amount to do it here. Yeah. There aren't really a lot of other options. Whereas Nick's mind is like, well, we should shop around and, you know, maybe surf the internet and see if we can find a better deal. It's yeah. Like, no, Nick. We need to go now. This is not your situation. We need to go now. This is the guy who says he can get us there fastest. Let's go. Like, and I don't, and damn the cost. Yeah. Which is the situation they are in. Yeah. And for some reason, Nick doesn't realize it. I don't know. Well, Nick does call himself dumb in this chapter and he does act dumb in this chapter. <sighs> He, we've we've gone on record before saying Nick's a smart guy. He's much smarter than he gives himself credit for. Way smarter than but he, he gives makes a credit. very dumb decision in this chapter. Yes, he does. And thankfully Johnny is there to pull his bacon out of the out of the fryer. Because <laughs> uh he, he I've I firmly believe if he had stolen that money, they would be in trouble. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Like they would be caught. He would have either been caught taking it or they would have been caught out before they got on the plane, like it would have been bad. Yeah, would it would have ruined a lot of things. Yeah. So I'm glad she stopped him. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe next chapter we'll be on a plane. I would presume. Maybe. We, we've we only got finite book left. <laughs> it's true. So presume, and we've only got two days. So uh, presumably they're going to get moving here. Physically looking at the book, I would argue we are halfway it seems almost right in the middle there. yeah we i mean you said about halfway last chapter too but the last couple chapters have also been pretty short yeah so, so. we're still we're still right in the middle yeah but that's okay a short chapter with a, a decent amount of discussion around it is always good for me yeah lots of talk about nick which is okay yeah and i mean he's our focal point protagonist so yeah. we should talk a lot about him exactly exactly but we'll have to uh wait and see what befalls our heroes next 
uh, as we move into chapter 16, which you'll want to read up on in time for next week. In the meantime, you know, we talk about uh, how Johnny could be making friends with her money. And a great way that you might be able to make friends with your money, if you are local to Edmonton, is by supporting local groups and charities. And the Edmonton Community Foundation, longtime supporter of the Alberta Podcast Network and the Read Along, uh, is a place that is designed around taking your money and helping you to give it back to the community. It's, <laughs> taking your money sounds very ominous. <laughs> but uh, their, their goal is to help you to help the community. And uh, they have a podcast talking about just that. Hello, I'm Elizabeth Bonkink. I'm Andrew Paul. And we're the hosts of The Well-Endowed Podcast. The Well-Endowed Podcast is produced by Edmonton Community Foundation, or ECF as we call it. ECF provides grants to charities through the endowment funds we create and manage with our donors. Hence the title of our show, The Well-Endowed Podcast. Every month, we bring you a collection of stories and interviews with fascinating guests who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. Through these stories, we look at the space where endowments intersect with your communities. So if you're interested in the people and issues impacting your community, check out thewellendowedpodcast.com. The Well Endowed Podcast. Yes, we've talked about the Well Endowed Podcast lots of times. Yeah, they we frequently get ads for them assigned to us. Um, but we're always happy to uh, to boost them. They're exactly. a great organization. I don't mind. Happy to show for yeah. them because I think they do good things. And you know what? If you're not local to Edmonton, there is probably... Uh, an equivalent organization in your community or near to your community who can help you do the exact same thing. Oh, probably. I would hope so. You should definitely seek them out as well. Um, You can find more about the Edmonton Community Foundation and the other supporters of the podcast network right now at the website, albertapodcastnetwork.com. While you're there, you can check out the many sibling podcasts to the read-along. A bunch of new ones just joined the network. Now's a great time to find something new to check out. You can then probably find them on your podcatcher of choice. Oh, probably. Uh, You can, (laughs) while you're on that podcatcher of choice, that's probably where you're getting us. You can maybe give us a little rating and a review. That does help us out. It's true. We would appreciate feedback. We like to know what we're doing well, what we're doing poorly. Yeah, you can also reach out to us directly on social media. Absolutely. Uh, Pick your poison. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. We are at the read along on most of those. We also have an email address. We are the read along at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we love you very much. Take care of yourself. We'll see you next time. I'm surprised you didn't make any comments about the Kessel Run. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com.